Omajana Trivanandasya Jana Jana Salakaya Chakshuan Militanyena Tasmashi Gurave Namaha Vajkaptu Vishcha Kripasindavivacha Patitanam Pavane Bhyavashnavijudamon Maha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Nasta Prayeshu Abhyeshu Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavatu Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naistiki. So good evening everyone. Atrasargo Visargascha. Atrasargo Visargascha. Stanam Posanam Utaya. Manvantare Sanukatha. Manvantare Sanukatha. Nirodo Muktirashraya. So in the last class we covered these ten subjects as they were they're presented in the verse and this evening we're going to continue on to that was covered in Anucheta's 56 and 57 and tonight we're going to continue with Anucheta 58 the all-inclusive tenth universal specified as Ashraya the ultimate shelter the tenth item of the Srimad Bhagavatam is the shelter for the other nine. All-inclusive tenth universal specified as Ashraya, the ultimate shelter. Uh, beginning this Anucheda, Srila Jiva Goswami he first quotes a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, regarding these ten items and we will read that verse. That entity from whom creation proceeds, into whom it is dissolved, and by whom both creation and dissolution are made perceivable, is the Ashraya, the ultimate source and shelter of all being. And he is known as Param Brahman the Supreme Transcendental Absolute, and as Paramatma, the Supreme Eminent Self. Srimad Bhagavatam, 2nd Canto, 10th Chapter, 7th Verse. That entity from which the creation comes, that entity who wraps it up, and that entity by whose energies one is able to perceive the universe. So without his energies, no entity can perceive. He not only creates it, it's sustained for some time, and he wraps it up, but also he makes it available to our senses. He arranges for all that. Without his energy within the universe, then there's no question of creation, dissolution, or perception of the universal cosmic manifestation. Jiva Goswami says in this Anucheta that although it's not specifically mentioned in the verse that he's quoted, Sukadeva Goswami has mentioned Brahman, the Supreme Transcendence, and Paramatma specifically. Jiva in 
looking at the verse and explaining the verse says it is implied that this also includes Bhagavan. And he, he uses, he, he takes us back to Viranti Tat Tatva Vidas Tatvam Yaj Janam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavan Iti Sabjate. It's only natural that when we speak of that Supreme Personality, and in this verse, it seems that we that that Sukadev is only talking about Brahman and Brahma, Brahman and Paramatma. It's implied that Bhagavan has to be included there. In the commentary, it's brought out that if we if we are to take up a subject matter, if we are to take an, up the study of any subject matter, a book about that subject. It cannot be so broad as to completely overwhelm the student. So you can't have too many, too many subjects in a presentation. And he says, the Bhagavatam cannot be accused in presenting these ten subjects of being too broad. It's only ten subjects. And not only that, all of ten of the subjects of the Bhagavatam are included and sheltered in the Absolute Truth, the Ashraya, the one that gives shelter to all the others. So all this, creation, sub-creation, maintenance, protection, manvantaras, the ability of the jivas to what? Engage in action themselves. They can create something for themselves. Karma. That's their limited capacity. In the material realm, that's what the jiva creates. Future enjoyment or suffering. Or from the sages, from the sadhu's point of view, nothing but suffering. It's all suffering. If we only knew what our true nature was as spiritual entities, then we would not see anything that we could make as being of any significance, even if we engage in activities and make a pathway to heaven. What could be better than that, of course? So I can create an activity. I can make my pathway to heaven. And now there's unlimited enjoyments there for me. And the sadhus go, yeah, right. What's there for you is only the fact that it's going to end. You can have it, but it's fleeting. It's here today and it's going tomorrow. Oh, but tomorrow is so far away. The sadhus say, it doesn't mean it's not coming. Tomorrow is going to come and it's going to end. And throughout the Bhagavatam, we're told about all these, all these different jivatmas who make it to heaven, and even in heaven, they make a mistake, and what? They're cursed. So we see again and again, here's an elephant, here's a crocodile, here's a leela between this crocodile and this elephant that are engaged in a fight, actually in a heavenly atmosphere, 
And once Krishna personally intervenes, we find out they both fell down. They were both cursed. They were in heaven. They made it. And they ended up there. Again, Nriga. A lizard at a well. We find out this guy, he was giving away unlimited charity. In fact, he told Krishna, you must have heard of me. Everybody in this universe has heard of me. Everyone's heard of me. You must have heard. No one's given away more in charity than I have in this world. Yeah, well, how'd you end up in a, in a well? Well, it was by mistake. It wasn't even intentional. My intent was to give to, to satisfy the Brahmins. And therefore, I gave my cows to the Brahmins. You have a thousand, you have a thousand, you have a thousand. And your cow goes over into his, into your, into his herd and you get mad, mad at me. Okay, let me, let me give you another hundred thousand cows. No, I want that cow. You've given, you Indian giver, you've given to me and now, now you've, you've given it to somebody else also? I curse you. I didn't do anything wrong here. I was just giving away cows. So that's the nature. So when the, the sadhus say this is a, this is not a nice place, it's not. Things can always go wrong, and they generally do. <laughs> if they don't go wrong today, you can bet for sure they're going to go wrong tomorrow. That's material existence. So the too many subjects. I was speaking about the ten subjects, and I got to what we get to create. Oh, you were, you were talking Our about karma. karma. Our karma. That's all we get to One make. Of the well, it's, yeah, it's, it's the ability of the jiva to also create. And that's what we create, good or bad reaction. No matter how, try, how much we try to get the good reaction, there's always the opportunity that the bad's going to come, even when we do it all right. What to speak of when we do it all wrong, and that's a whole other karmic reaction. And the karmic reactions, uh, even when, when Krishna winds up, the creation, Naroda, winds it up. Even then, that karma stays with us. And the Manmantaras, these ten subjects, the Leela of the Lord to attract us, to turn our consciousness, to turn our consciousness, this whole turning of consciousness of awareness from outside to inside. When we say inside, we mean the spiritual side. It's actually both outside and inside, but generally we, we have to shut down what we, what we perceive as, as, as ourselves and what we perceive as enjoyment. And finally, ending these ten subjects, ending with the Supreme Lord himself, the shelter of all these things. So the other nine subjects of the Bhagavatam are meant to shed light on the tenth, the ashraya, the shelter. 
So therefore, if you really look at the Srimad Bhagavatam, it doesn't have too many subjects. It only has one subject. That's Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. All these other things in the Bhagavatam are simply shining a light on him. And Bhagavatam nurtures a desire on our part to know that supreme personal absolute. As we enter into the Bhagavatam, in fact, I'm studying in the Bhagavat Sandarbha, if we even desire to enter into an understanding of the Bhagavatam, Krishna takes note. It's before we've even opened the book. Just having that desire is that pleasing to the Supreme. This is a nice wording here. Srimad Bhagavatam nurtures a desire to know the personal absolute who is the source of the world's creation, maintains the world through his divine eminence, Paramatma, supplies senses and intelligence to jivas to perceive the world, and blesses them with Vedic instructions and the association of his devotees. So Srimad Bhagavatam provides the Ashraya Tattva, the knowledge of that supreme shelter. If we look to the paths, the various paths of transcendental discipline, those that take on a path to attain transcendence, that supreme personal absolute is sought after differently according to the path. And again, the same verse, the Vedanti Tat verse, 1 to 11, Vedanti Tat Tat Vavidas Tatvam Yaj Janam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavan Iti Samjate. So the Jnani Yogi, his conception of the supreme Ashraya is what? Brahman. The Astanga Yogi, his conception of the Supreme Ashraya, the complete shelter, is Paramatma. And for the Bhakta, his conception of the Ashraya is Bhagavan. So moving ahead to the 59th Anocheda. The independent Ashraya and the three interdependent divisions of embodied selfhood. The independent ashraya and the three interdependent divisions of embodied selfhood. Jiva is now, it seems that he's turned us now outward and inward and then outward again and now he's turning us back inward again. So now he's saying, let's look for that ashraya in relationship with ourselves. This is another way of perceiving the Supreme. So we've, we've asked you to look at the cosmic manifestation and we've used as, as our revelation there the Bhagavatam's nine subject matters all pointing to that supreme shelter. So now we're going to look back inward. And for that vision, 
he goes to a different section of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he goes to the Bhagavatam. And again, these verses are presented chronologically in the second canto, tenth chapter. So the chapter itself began with Atrasarga Vitsargascha. And he's kind of like walking through this verse from these this instruction from uh, uh, Sukadev to Maharaj Pariksit, wherein he's he started Sukadev has started with the ten subjects of the Bhagavatam, and now he's continuing in the eight and eight and ninth verses of this chapter, and he's also taking Maharaj Pariksit. He's saying now let's also look locally. Let's try to find out this supreme ashraya. Try to find out this supreme shelter. Not only can we find him by looking at the cosmic manifestation, its creation, its sub-creation, its maintenance, its pr the protection of the devotees, the karma of the jivas, all these subjects. Let's take another look and let's look at it in relationship to the individual jiva. Prior to the generation of the body, that which is known as the Adi Atmika Purusha, Adi Atmika Purusha, the empirical self, Jiva, empirical self, individual Jiva, identified with the senses as limited seer, is indistinguishable from the Adi Divika Purusha, in parentheses, the cosmic potentiators devas of the self who facilitate the power of seeing of the limited seer. Okay. Let's go over that. Let's unpack it. Let's understand what he's saying there. He's saying before the physical bodies of the jivas are awarded what stage is that? Visarga, the second stage of creation. That's when Brahma starts doing his bidding. So first there's the manifestation. The Lord looks upon the, the unmanifest, uh, Pradhana, Prakriti, it's referred to in both ways. And we have the, the first series of creation. And then... Garbhodakshayi Vishnu, he re relaxes in the middle of one particular universe that's coming out. And from his navel, there's a lotus. And on the lotus, there's a Brahma. And the Brahma's trying to figure out what he's doing there. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? This is far out. Crawls around, crawls down the lotus, stem. Where did I come from? He's gotten this position because he has some real qualification. So, he, that Brahma, is the one that arranges for the individualized bodies of those jivas according to that karma that went dormant during the last dissolution. We're talking about a cycle. The cycle continues, and the Brahma is there. This verse speaks that prior to the generation of that 
body for the jiva. You cannot distinct, one cannot distinguish between the potential of the jiva, adhyatmika, purusha, he is a purusha, what's he create? Creates karma. That's his great creation. Okay, but he's a purusha. He's a little purusha. Teeny, teeny, tiny, itsy bitsy, indistinguishable, one ten thousandth the tip of the hair. We couldn't measure it if we wanted to, even if that is a, even if all the scientists could could get to that one ten thousandth with their electron. We still can't find that that infinitesimal. It's so small, the jiva. So the Atmic, the jiva, and his his whole material existence is what? It's dependent upon the senses. No senses, no existence. Take them away. Just turn them off one by one. Turn off the materialist senses, and what does he have? Does he have an existence? Turn off the ears, turn off the eyes, no smelling, no tasting, no touching, no facility of the mind. Turn off the senses and there's no material existence. So what Sukadeva Goswami is telling Maharaj Pariksit here is, prior to the body, it's impossible for one to distinguish between the Purusha who is the jiva, and the purusha, who are the potentiators, those that give potential to the ability to perceive sense perception. The devas, we call that adhidaiva. Now we can understand. It's not that hard to understand. It sounded like a lot of stuff there, but really it's simple. Right? Kind of simple. So, Adiatmic and Adidaivic Purushas, you really can't distinguish the two until there's a body. That which permits these two divisions within a single entity to become differentiated is called. Audi Biotica Purusha, the physical self, or the visible body as physical seat of the senses. Audi Biotic Purusha, the body. Without a body, the jiva cannot experience senses. Without the potentiators of the senses, the devas, the senses have nothing to perceive. They can't perceive it. And without a seat for the senses, the physical body, there's no question of, of anything working. So all three are interdependent. The jivatma, the devas, and the body, which has seats for all the different senses. It has an ear, 
It has an eye, has a nose, has a tongue, has, a, has the ability for tactile sense. Without these three together, there is no perception of the world of material existence. In the absence of any one of these, the other two cannot be ascertained. Whereas he who knows these three from the witness position is the su supreme self, Atma, and his own independent shelter, Swa-ashraya. Let's go through how Jiva explains this and unpacks it for us. Now remember, we just went through the verse by Sukadeva Goswami, and this is after he's explained the ten subjects of the Bhagavatam to Maharaj Parikshit. Now he goes on to this explanation of Adi Atmic, Adi Daivik, and Adi Baltic Purushas. During cosmic sustenance, Stiti, remember that's the third subject, essential nature of the Asraya can be clearly ascertained through immediate intuitive insight by reference to the microcosm of the individual living beings. When we're here being sustained in the material existence, the essential nature of the ashraya is perceivable to us through intuitive insight by reference to our own existence. Now, Jiva's brought this up before, hasn't he? That we can look to ourselves and see we're conscious and we can from that ascertain that there is a, if there is a supreme, that entity would also have to be conscious. So he's already convinced us of this point that there is a supreme, this supreme conscious entity. So now we're further down the road in, in what he's unpacking for us, and where are we? We're at the position where we realize that our consciousness is not a consciousness that can manifest all that we perceive in existence. We can't make this up. We didn't create it. It's hard to be a creator when you don't even know how you got this body. It just makes it really hard to think that you made all this. Except maybe if you are intoxicated with some hallucinogen and you can think that this has all come about by my mystic opulence. But really, at this point in the logical presentation regarding ourself that Jiva has brought us to in this study of the Tatvasandarbha, he's brought us to this point where we realize we didn't create it. We're not being made. We can't make. We can't even maintain ourselves unless there was some out, something out there to keep us going. And guess what? It's out there, and we didn't put it there. One living entity is food for another. We can eat somebody else and live. 
That's the honest to God way we go from day to day. We didn't do that. Somebody arranged it. Somebody's protecting us. So now look look to yourselves. What's the nature? He's trying again to, to give us a, another deeper revelation into the nature of that supreme Asharaya. So three divisions of embodied selfhood. Adiatmika, limited cognition of the world through the senses. Adidaivika, the devas who preside over and thus facilitate the function of those cognitive senses. And Adibautika, the physical self as a visible body. So one can question, how can we, in looking at the body, the physical body, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, all these are my non-conscious, they're aspects of my non-conscious energy, is what Krishna says. So how can we look upon those? And here, they're being referred to as a purusha. I can understand that the jiva can create something, so the word purusha is cool for the jiva. And I can understand that the devas, without the sun, even if I have eyes, and even if I have an eye socket, a tool for sight, and I have the ability to, to be cognizant of sight, take away the sun, and ultimately behind that sun there, has, there is a person. Take it away, what can I see? can't see anything. doesn't work. All three are required, aren't they? That's probably the one place when you look at this where it's a little bit difficult. Perception of and understanding of something that's so completely out of our perceptive range when it comes to when we sense devatas. And then we read in the in the in the Shastra, yeah, they even control your the blinking of your eyes. Without your eyes blinking, you wouldn't be able to see for long. Your eye would dry out. So we're talking about the senses. That's the one thing that's difficult for us to understand sometimes. That without the sunlight, you can't see anything. The sunlight comes from a sun globe. In the sun globe is a generation generating plant. Billions of, of nuclear fireworks going off simultaneously in this one place, creating all this illumination for a universe. So we look to all these sense davidas and it's like that's where it's kind of get you to it's kind to understand that they actually are facilitating our senses. You're not going to hear unless there is a medium for sound vibration, ether. Take away the ether and you will not hear, even if you have an ear and even if you have the capacity for hearing because you are a jiva in a material body. 
So the ether is there and the sense of hearing is there or smell. Without the wind, without a medium to carry fragrance, you are not going to smell anything. It doesn't work. So there has to be these davidas. They work on a very subtle level. We can't see them. That doesn't mean they're not doing their job because we do see, we do hear, we do smell, we do taste, we do feel. If they weren't there, believe me, we'd know it. But it's hard for us from a materialistic viewpoint to person to put a personality in the position. That's hard to comprehend. But we'll go into New York City and we'll go up to a water fountain and we'll push the lever and drink water and we'll think what? There wasn't a whole arrangement. There was a plumber, there's somebody there, there's the water's being cleaned in a treatment plant, who knows where it came from, but anyway, it's filtered, it comes through a pipe, it comes into the water, it's got a cooler in there, it's cooled off, and then I'm drinking it. Now, I can understand that happened because of all this, there's a big arrangement just for me to take a sip of water from a fountain in New York City, look at all that had to transpire. That I could wrap my mind around. To wrap my mind about around the sense davitas and how they do all this, that's, it's, it's invisible to me. How does that work? Well, how does that water fountain work? How does that light bulb work? Where's the juice coming from? Where's the line coming into the house? Where's the generating plant that's generating it? What to speak of the manufacturer that figured out how to get how to get this current that's negative and positive to vibrate in such a way that it could turn into light vibration. Change from one energy to another. So a lot of things going on there just for me to be able to see in the dark. But when we look and we hear in the Shastra and these verses we're reading and studying tonight talk about sense davitas, it's like, I understand the jiva, that's me. But sense davitas, invisible demigods that are controlling all the energy of the universe and all of the functionality of the different machinery of my own personal body. Who keeps me breathing when I go into deep sleep? How does that work? Somebody's there. There's some energy, some cosmic force, some psychic energy component that's there that makes my nails grow and makes my hair grow and makes me grow and makes me get older and wrinkle up and shrivel and the little power plants to start to break down whatever they may be the heart the lungs the liver the it's doing so much action how is the liver cleaning my blood 
How many times a day is it completely cleansed and putting oxygen and, and you know, blood How is all that working? It's just, it's, that's, that just happens. No. It happens just the same way everything that we've arranged with our big modern society happens. It happens with a lot of thought, forethought, planning, and execution. That is the sense, Davidus. And although it's the one thing, all this, that may be a little diff difficult for us to, to wrap our mind around because they're so subtle still, I think we can kind of grasp them by inference. Back to Adibautica. Purusha? Adibautica. It's not living. I can understand the jivas living. I understand the sense. Okay, so you explain the sense, Davidus, and I can understand that they're, they're conscious entities because none of this could be happening without some conscious arrangement. Why do we call Adibautica, the seat for the senses, with the jiva inhabits a purusha? Because the Atma invests so much energy in the body. What do we say when the body's ill? I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I implies personality. I'm white. I'm black. I'm old. I'm young. I'm male. I'm female. I'm Indian, I'm Chinese, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, not me, I'm an Independent. So because we relate, that's why the Shastra in verses like this can refer to the Adibautika as also a Purusha. So understand that all this is actualized. It is brought into the position of act, acting all these potentials. The potential of the jiva, the potential of the sense potentialities, potentiators, and the seed of the senses. All this is brought into, and these three are interdependent. The absence of one will not allow the function of any of them on an individual level. Interesting point, the physical senses, which are simply the seats, are not the real senses. Rather, they're seats for the interior senses of the subtle psychic matrix. Do you want an example? Go to a war and have your leg blown off. What sometimes happens in that situation? What does the body do? It still has what? It still has a sensation of the foot. It, my leg itches. Don't have a leg. It's itches. I, can I scratch my leg? Yeah, I'd wish you could, but it's, it's on the, who knows where it went. It's on the cutting room floor. But there's still the sense. The sense is still there. So 
that it's subtle, it's psychic. Our sense functions are truly internal because, again, we go back and we turn, turn and look at the same thing another way. The senses in and of themselves are simply what? They're unconscious matter. So they're actualized by consciousness. Krishna states in the Bhagavad Gita, when the Atma quits the body, the mind and the five senses are carried to another body like a scent in the air, aroma. Then they find another seat as another body is provided. I'll finish tonight here. And uh, Anybody have any questions? Thank you so much for your association. Vaj hapu bhyascha kripa sindhi bhyascha kritanam pamane bhyo vishnu vijnu mohanam.